We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All Hit Radio. X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell. And welcome back to the Exxon. I am Rob McConnell. We're coming to you from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. If you'd like to send me an email, exxon at com on all social media sites, Exxon Radio TV. And to find out about what's happening in the world of the Exxon Broadcast Network, visit www.xzbn.net. As well as for the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV, visit www.simultv. Exxon Nation, my guest this hour is Benjamin Radford. He is deputy editor of Skeptical Inquirer Science Magazine. He has written thousands of articles on a wide variety of topics, including urban legends, mysterious phenomenon, critical thinking, and media literacy. He is author, co-author, or contributor to over 20 books, including Bad Clowns, Mysterious New Mexico, and Investigating Ghosts. Best known for a science-based investigator into unusual phenomenon, Benjamin was a longtime columnist for outlets including LiveScience.com and Discovery News. Benjamin also wrote and directed two short films and co-founded an award-winning podcast. Joining me now is Benjamin Radford, and Benjamin, welcome back to the X-Zone. Thanks for having me. Always great to chat. Oh, it is. Uh, it's been nearly two years uh, thanks to COVID. And how did the COVID virus affect you, or how is it still affecting you? Oh, that, that's a good question. Well, as you as you pointed out, I spend a, a much of my time trying to investigate and often debunk misinformation. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you, you can imagine that that's uh, been occupying an inordinate amount of my time over the past year and a half. Um uh, originally, uh, about about a year or so ago, you may remember there was a uh, a video titled "Plandemic," which was uh, went yeah. viral, mm-hmm. uh, no pun intended, uh, over social media, and it was basically a 26 uh, minute conspiracy theory video. Uh, and it, it was uh, this woman named Judy Mikovits, who was a former virologist, who was accusing Dr. Fauci of any number of things, and it was this this sort of rambling conspiracy. Thing and it turned out to be a publicity stunt for her book. Um, and unfortunately, uh, in the meanwhile, of course, it, when when uh, when the so- when social media finally sort of caught on to it and was trying to stem the misinformation right. contained in it, then of course suddenly it's censorship, censorship. So it's always something. Uh, censorship, censorship. It seems that the social media crowds have gone crazy. It seems that. W- 
Anybody who has a webcam or who has a, a, an audio system that can record is now putting up these podcasts, either just audio and or video, and there's so much disinformation out there. How is John Q. Public supposed to, you know, use, uh, you know, wade through the mess that's out there in order to get to the truth? It, it's a it's a it's a real problem. You know, part of the issue is that uh, people say, well, you know, do your own research. Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is that that for many people watching YouTube videos is doing research. That, that's, wow. that's their version of research. Um, and, you know, it just doesn't work that way. I mean, you know, if you're trying to bring good, credible science based information, you look in peer reviewed journals, you look in published studies, you, not, not necessarily the 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 uh, the first uh leaked uh, draft of things, but after mm-hmm. they've been peer-reviewed and published and things like that, that's not to say that science is always right. I mean, you know, scientists uh, make mistakes, um, studies can be flawed and so on, but you have to look at the aggregate uh, of the evidence. And uh, and when you do that, you, you, you get a pretty good idea of, of what the truth is. Besides uh, the coronavirus um, misinformation that's out there, what else is out there that is just rocking the conspiracy world? For example, one of the things that I can remember that was really a hot topic was the Tic Tac and the naval, uh, Navy gun footage that was taken off of a couple of destroy- uh, aircraft carriers. Whatever happened to that? <laughs> Well, um, it's it's what it's what in skepticism we call the vanishing horizon. Uh, what you find is that particularly in, in UFO claims, although mm-hmm. in some others as well, um, you keep hearing the, the the refrain that all the evidence is about to be released. There, the, the the government is about to release all this important information, and I, I've heard over the course of my career, uh, and in fact, if you go back and you look at some of the literature from even the 1950s, yeah, um, it's like, well, any day now, you know, the uh, the global conspiracy about uh, UFOs is going to be blown out of the water, and it never happens. Uh, and so that's that's pretty much where we are again. So um, for those who don't recall, I'll just sort of go over briefly. So. Um, there were, um, in April 2020, the Pentagon declassified uh, and released three U.S. Navy videos that uh, later became very, very prominent. In fact, they were even featured on 60 Minutes um, that fighter pilots saw during training flights in 2004 and 2015. And these were, um, they, they spawned these sensational headlines like, you know, that, you know, uh, that these are new, newly released videos, and they were showing, you know, UFOs and, and things in the skies that couldn't be otherwise mm-hmm. explained. Uh, in fact, um, the videos were actually from uh, from 2007 and 2017, so the they weren't anything new per se. Um, in fact, some of, again, some of them were actually from 2004. So uh, they. The videos themselves weren't new, and when you take a look at them closely, they weren't even that impressive. Yeah. Um, but they, they made the news, and people were, um, you know, all, all the UFO buffs were beside themselves about it. And uh, and in, as you mentioned, uh, over the past few months, uh, it, it got a whole lot of attention. But it's petered out. It has, and part of that was that there was a Department of Defense, um, uh, a long-awaited <laughs> I should add, DOD um, uh, 
uh, report on this. And um, and again, people were saying, oh, well, you know, they've released these videos mm-hmm. and, you know, we're finally going to find, find the truth. In fact, um, the, the evidence was just underwhelming. Uh, there was a report and it basically said, um, you know, these these Navy uh, pilot videos, um, uh, some of them are explainable. There's nothing there was nothing about aliens or extraterrestrials. Uh, and the most that could be said was that um, that they they weren't sure what a couple of the videos were. Uh, but of course, not sure what it means doesn't equal aliens. There's all sorts of things in the sky that may not be immediately identifiable. Right. So why do you think it is that anyone who sees something that they cannot identify automatically assumes it's a UFO from another planet? I've I've wondered that myself. I mean, if someone says to me, you know, do UFOs exist? Mm-hmm. The answer is absolutely sure. No question about it. There are there are many many things that are flying in the skies that are not immediately identifiable. That's all that means. It doesn't mean extraterrestrial craft. It doesn't mean something that's supernatural. Mm-hmm. It just means something in the skies. Yeah. Um. And and part of the problem is that there's such a wide variety of things that can be that are can be and are seen in the skies that, that the average person and sometimes even experienced pilots might not recognize. Uh, there's satellites. There's the uh, the ISS, the, the space station. There's uh, there there's comets. There's Venus. There's that's right. There's, there's any number of, of of explanations for a light in the sky. And the real problem is that when you have an object in the sky, um, particularly when they're seen at night, as as many of these are, uh, you you have nothing for reference. And so if you don't know the distance, you don't know the size and vice versa. So in our everyday lives, it's pretty easy to estimate how big something is because we see something on ground level and it's near a tree that we know how big it is. We can estimate, you know, a car, a building, whatever else. Mm -hmm. But when you're talking about something, and that's what we mean, something in the sky, right? Um, you know, is it is it is it a quarter mile away and huge? Is it uh, is it uh, is it fifty miles away and small? It's it's difficult, or in some cases, impossible to know. So it, there's a lot of cues that we would normally use in our everyday lives to to estimate how big something is. Uh, and sometimes and how fast it's going that are just simply absent in the in the in the sky, particularly in the night sky. It, it amazes me that people believe that what they see in the sky at night is actually a spacecraft or a space vehicle from another galaxy, another solar system, another universe. And in order for them to be able to to traverse this great amount of space in my books. Now, I'm not an expert. I'm not a nuclear physicist. Uh, I'm, I don't know anything about rocket propulsion, but wouldn't that mean that they would also have the capability of masking themselves to do what they want to do instead of having this bright light at night? You would think, yeah. uh, and and I'm glad you brought that up because there's there's a little known fact about the famous uh, Roswell UFO crash, mm-hmm. uh, which happened in my home state of New Mexico. Right, and that is that allegedly, according to the the story, and there's a couple stories, but according to the main story, uh, the uh, a, a, a alien spacecraft uh, was flying across the New Mexico st- sky, uh, not far from the Texas border, and it was hit by lightning and it crashed. Now, let me just stop for a second and say that 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 uh, ordinary commercial aircraft are hit by lightning on average of once a year. Yeah. 
it's not a big deal. It's a known thing. It's not aircraft being hit by lightning hasn't been a problem for aviation for decades. And the idea that that aliens can build a craft, come ac- come across the, yeah. the galaxy, and 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 they haven't accounted for lightning, I'm just astonished by this. It, it in my book, it doesn't make sense. The entire UFO scenario, and I'm talking about unidentified flying objects from other planets, doesn't make sense. I I, I have a hard time understanding why those who believe that what they see in the sky is actually a flying saucer from another dimension, another part of the universe, in, instead of looking at the possibility that what they are seeing is has been made by man on this planet. Right. It, it makes yeah, no sense. It, it, you're right. It, it does make sense. But, I mean, it's part of the tendency for people to sort of reach for the most bizarre, strange, outlandish explanation. And we, we see this, for example, with, with Bigfoot videos, mm-hmm. right? Somebody will be camping somewhere and they'll get a video of something, you know, dark and blurry and, and, and you know, at a distance. Right. And they, oh, it must be Bigfoot. Well, or it could be a bear, it could yeah. be a moose, it could be an elk, it could be, could be a number of things. But, of course, the one that, the one that makes the news, the one that's sensational, the, the most dramatic explanation is Bigfoot. And, you know, there's, there's an old story, you know, if you hear hoofbeats, uh, you know, think horses, not zebras, or unicorns for that matter. Right. It, it seems to me that all the different paranormal groups say there's a conspiracy to suppress the truth about Let's use UFOs. Sure. All right. You've got Steve Bassett, who's up on his orange crate in Washington, saying that the truth embargo was coming. And as you've said, you know, you and I have been around long enough to know that nothing has been said. There has been no evidence, but everybody's still waiting for the truth embargo. Yep. Why don't they just land, you know, and, and say, all right, we're here, you know, uh, woo, here we are in the White House. Here we are, Parliament Hill in, in, in Canada. Here we are in Red Square. Why don't they just do that? If in fact that's a good question, and and you know, I'm and when you talk to people, the, the believers, and, and you and I have both done that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, I flat out ask people, like, okay, so you're, you're so sure that the reason that that we don't have a good evidence is because it's being hidden, and this is as, as you mentioned, this is part of the conspiracy, and basically, what they're doing is they're creating an excuse yeah. for why they can't provide evidence. So, in in my book. It means those who are claiming that there is a conspiracy are themselves the creator of the conspiracy. Yes, <laughs> that's, you know, yeah. but yeah, that's in, in a very real way. That's true because they, they're generating the conspiracy. All right, my um, friend, you and I have to take our break. Please stand by. Ben, always great talking to you, my friend. And Exo Nation, uh, Benjamin Radford and I will return on the other side of this break as we continue right here in the Exxon on the Exxon Broadcast Network the Talkstar Radio Network and Mutual Broadcast Network from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. I'm Rob McConnell. Duck away. that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. 
Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. With the new Chevy Silverado, you might be driving in this. But with the Silverado's redesigned interior and large infotainment screens, it'll feel more like this. Introducing the new 2022 Chevy Silverado. Find new upgrades. Find new roads. Chevrolet. Welcome back, everyone. Benjamin Radford is my guest. www.benjaminradford.com Last week, I was producing A Different Perspective with uh, Kevin Randall, and his guest was Mike Rogers of the infamous Fire in the Sky encounter uh, that, uh, you know, everybody talks about with Travis Walton. And there were a couple of things that came out that totally blew my mind. And and it's interesting sitting back and producing a show because you can actually, you know, kind of scribble down notes and add two and two and then go on the computer and check a lot of stuff. What uh, Roger said was no one actually saw Walton beam up into the UFO, number right. one. The, 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 the image that's on the, the movie poster, yeah. fire they, in the sky. Right. Yeah, no, nobody actually saw that. Yep. Then, then, you know, Travis Walton has, has uh, been through many lie detector tests, and, and according to what I was able to understand prior to the show— he didn't fail any when it came to the alien question, if he had been abducted by aliens. But then on a different perspective, Roger said that on a television show, when given a polygraph test, Travis Walton actually failed that question. Hmm. And Travis Walton also showed uh, Mike Rogers a check from the TV show for fifty thousand dollars. I've I've heard some about that. I will confess that uh, the the Travis Walton fire in the sky case yeah. it, it's not one that I I've researched in depth. I mean I know the general outlines. I did meet Travis Walton uh, several years back uh, briefly when he was in my home city um, at a UFO conference. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was given his usual spiel. I mean, I had, I had seen it before. It was the sure. same old thing. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, one thing to keep in mind about lie detector tests is that is that you know, if you if you talk to law enforcement, they'll tell you that they're not particularly reliable. That's, That's one right. reason that they're they're not used. Now, yep. the lie detector tests can be used in certain circumstances. For example, for screening, or if if the person who you're giving the test to. Yeah, uh, it believes that believes that they work. They actually don't. Um, they certainly don't detect lies. Um, and and of course they don't they don't actually detect lies. All they detect is physiological changes. So you know the, the whether whether Walton passed or failed lie detector test is in many ways kind of irrelevant. <laughs> it doesn't. Uh, you know, it, it's certainly suspicious. And, and, you know, and when you bring up, you know, the, the fact that he was paid handsomely for a story, as I yes. recall, it, it had to do with a, a tabloid who was looking for the, the best story. Well, if no, you're, no, if no, you're no, that's totally different. Rewarded for the best story. What are you going to come up with? Yeah, the no, no this is totally different. The tabloid is is was at the beginning of the case, but this TV show was later on. And in fact, Travis did not want Mike Rogers to go to the TV show with him. 
Hmm. You know, so there's a lot of, uh, I, I think the, the stitching is coming undone on the Travis Walton case. You, you know, with a lot of the people, particularly the abductees, and you mm-hmm. know, I've 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 spoken with uh, with UFO abductees or alleged abductees, and I have a background in psychology, and so I I can I can bring some of that to it, and it really just depends. I mean, many of them I believe are sincere. They they genuinely believe that they uh, they were abducted, and usually that comes about through hypnosis. Yeah. The problem there, <laughs> and there's sort of layers of problems here. The problem there is that hypnosis doesn't reveal truth. It's no. hypnosis. It's basically, uh, it has been called the Royal road to the unconscious. It's, it's a suggestible state in which people will, uh, will can and do, uh, elicit stories, um, about past lives, about things that never happened, about fantasies, take your pick, but there's no, there's, there's, there's zero credible evidence that hypnosis per se can retrieve hidden memories of anything, much less alien abductions. And and yet that's how the bulk of the stories come up. But doesn't it also depend on the person who is doing the past life regression or the hypnosis um, session? Yes, absolutely. That that they can actually skew the answers just like they can get a, get a positive or false reading with a lie detector test. You're absolutely right, and that's one reason why the, when you see repeaters, so mm-hmm. it's one thing, um, it, it's still not very credible, but it's one thing if uh, if a, a memory of, of past uh, a, a past life or alien abduction or, or, or uh, abuse or something else that that's otherwise unsubstantiated comes up in a session. It's a different matter when you have repeaters. That is, you have you have people who are, or you know, in some cases, for self-certified hip, hypnotists, yeah. who who put themselves out there as being, yes, come to me, I I can do this, and 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 ju- it just happens that that because they're in the process of, of eliciting these stories, they'll you'll, you'll talk to them, and they're very proud, like yes, I'm I'm one of the world's top ones. I've I've managed to you know elicit you know, a half a dozen uh, mm-hmm. people who had forgotten their alien experience. And I'm thinking, you didn't elicit that; you created that. Yeah. Well, it's just like the people who are out there who are calling themselves reverends or bishops. Or even those who claim to have PhDs who actually just go online and get a false certificate. There's more stolen valor within the paranormal community, in my opinion, than there is in the military. You're absolutely right. Uh, in fact, uh, a year or two back, I, did, I have a podcast called Squaring the Strange. Which is and a great we did podcast. A whole, we did a whole show on that. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it just, it just, it's just amazing. And, and, it's, and it's rife with it. I mean, it's... You know, as you, as you know, I investigate any number of things from crop circles to ghosts mm-hmm. to uh, psychics and this and that. And it's it's I'm almost surprised if the person I'm investigating hasn't gotten a diploma mill uh, certification because it's just it's just so common. Like, oh yes, I you know I have a master's in yeah. you know in in intuitive feelings. <laughs> Do you now? We had a young lady on the show just before the main crunch of COVID hit that we could, we, you know, we, we had to stop everything here. Mm-hmm. And um, she claimed to have to uh, run, well, she claims that she had a degree in demonology and parapsychology issued from a university in New Mexico. Hmm. So it didn't ring right with me. So I said, well, send me a, send me a copy. So she sent me a copy. 
<laughs> oh, I can't wait for this. And I'm I in New Mexico. Uh, go ahead. And I contacted uh, uh, the university, and I couldn't get anywhere due to privacy. But I called a local well-known newspaper in the town where the university is is situated, and I left a message with the editor. Lo and behold, about an hour later, I get a call back from a reporter. And the reporter says, I've got a contact there. And he asked me why I'm checking into it. I told him, and I sent him the copies. Mm-hmm. Well, he got a hold of his contact, who was in the admissions department of the university. And they took a look at the certificate, and they said, fraudulent. They went through wow. the... They went through the um, you know, the student's record, and they found that this person had taken a, um, a a course that really had nothing to do with what she was saying she had. Right. So anyway, armed with this information, I brought. she came on the show, and I'm talking to her, and I get her to say that she went to this university, and she got this degree, and then I said, no, you didn't. <laughs> she said, oh, what? I did. And anyway, to make a long story short, she contacts us about a month later, says, I want that audio taken down because the information in there is not true. I said, nope, I'm not taking it down. She calls up the Better Business Bureau here, files a complaint. So the Better Business Bureau gets a hold of me, and I sent them back the information that I had. And they just said, oh, never mind. And they, you <laughs> know, they, they, you. I'm, they didn't I'm, want to touch it. it, it I, I'm just, I, I just have so much respect for that because it's so, e- it's so, so easy to just let those things go. And I've seen people do it and it's, it t- it's hassle. Yeah. It's a pain in the, it's a pain in the butt. And, and you, you get, you get, you know, annoying, occasionally threatening stuff. And, and I'm, I'm really glad you stood your ground on that. Oh, you know, I, I also stood my ground on two other cases, uh, I, I don't know if you remember Jason Lee, the UFO investigator from Waco, Texas. Oh, I'd forgotten about that. Yeah, you know, stolen valor, and he's the guy who strapped himself with dynamite and crashed into the into the Veterans Administration That's building. That's right. Down there. That's right. Yeah, and and when you his name was really um, Randall Jason Brown. And when you ran that through uh, through a criminal check, his criminal history popped up. Uh, Dr. Jason Rand, remember him, Planet X? Uh-huh. I vaguely I remember the name, yeah. No, he's not a doctor. He, he never took a doctorate degree. In fact, he was a uh, disc jockey from Florida. <laughs> uh, what was it? What's the name of their show? Uh, Penn and Teller do a show called Bullshit. I remember that, yes. They did a gr- They interviewed him, and they've got him looking like a, a, a three-cent ice cream cone by the end of their, their, their segment. You know, and there's so much of this out there, Ben. So much. I, you know, I did, I'll tell you one quick story. I won't, sure. I won't name the, the college, but it, yeah. it was in, in Niagara. Uh, when I was living in Buffalo, mm-hmm. I actually investigated um, uh, a, a professor up there who called him Dr. Uh, I won't say his name, and then PhD. Now, hold on here. The first name is Peter. That's correct. <laughs> I know exactly who you're talking you know, about. <laughs> you know exactly who I'm talking about. Like, I, I, I wouldn't mention Peter Sacco's name on air. No, no, we no. wouldn't want to mention uh, Dr. Uh, Peter Sacco's yeah, name. Yeah. Um, but, yes, yeah, so uh, <laughs> I, uh, I, I, 
I contacted him. So the the story is that he had actually he was giving he was teaching a course at uh, a college. Yeah. Again, I won't name which one, but yeah. it's, it's in Niagara. Mm-hmm. And um, my girlfriend at the time uh, was going to that college, and she said, "Hey, you know, I know you have you have you seen this this stuff?" I'm like, "No." And I looked at it. It turned out he'd actually plagiarized his entire course. Yeah. Uh, from something online, mm-hmm. and uh, and because it was still upcoming, I attended his course uh, somewhat incognito, and I was sat in the back. I wanted to I wanted to see for myself what he was claiming was there, and armed with this, um, I I actually approached the administrators and I said, you know, uh, by the way, I found out he had a diploma, he had a fake diploma, and I brought all this to the the attention, and they were. They were not happy. They they were actually kind of indignant that I was coming to them. They said, "Well, you're an American. What are you doing coming to us? You know, why do you care what we're teaching in, in our Whoa. college?" I said, "Is this an accredited college?" They said, "Yes." I said, "Well, that's your problem, that's right, right there." Yeah, you know, and, and we can look outside the the scope of the paranormal because I was at I was the executive producer of CKTB in uh, in St. Catharines, and that's where I you know first okay. met with Joe Nickel and and the rest. Of you the know game. the story well, then. Uh, yeah, I do. And we had a doctor who was doing a calling show, and he was giving medical advice. So I, I guess I had been executive producer for about a week, and I said, did anybody check his credentials? <laughs> and, and they said, well, yeah, it's Dr. So-and-so. I said, did you check? Did, did, I, I know you read them. Did you check them? Yeah. Anyway, it turned out he wasn't a medical doctor. He was a chiropractor. Oh. You know, so big. Uh, so anyway, he was taken off the air, and and I was I told the station manager I said you could have had so many legal problems. Yep. You know, you, you just you have to vet not only your guests but the people who are doing the shows just to make sure they say they are who they are. Absolutely. Ben, stand by, my friend. You and I have to take our break at the bottom of the hour and exonation if you'd like to find out more about our guest this hour benjamin radford visit his website www.benjaminradford.com and i'm sure there are links to his uh podcast from his website am i correct ben yes and the name of your podcast is squaring the strange uh, squaring the strange squaring right i knew that it's a weird name i was just testing it yeah, right. Okay, we'll be back on the other side of this commercial break in the news as we continue here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Crystal Beach, Ontario, Canada. And by the way, when I look out of my living room window, I can actually see the city of Buffalo on the other side of uh, Lake Erie where it turns into Niagara. So I'll think of you, Ben, when I look at it next time. We'll be back. Don't go away. wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2.00. 
Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. We all have that friend who wakes up early to go get everyone McDonald's breakfast while the rest of us sleep in. This is your sign to thank them. And if you're that friend, this is us saying thank you. Now get a sausage McMuffin, sausage biscuit, sausage burrito, or hash browns. Choose two for $2.50. Enjoy a large iced coffee for just $2. Price of participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Single item at regular price. And welcome back, everyone. Benjamin Radford is my very special guest this hour, www.benjaminradford.com. Hey, Ben, did I tell you that I have had my dog, my little Shih Tzu dog, her name is Lola, I have had her turned into a minister? I did not know that. Yeah. Um, that's I- Congratulations. Well, you know, I, I had a guest on, and uh, she was, you know, she gave me all these credentials about being a reverend, and she was a, a mystic, a psychic, a medium. And uh, I, I said, well, where did you get your, um, you know, your accreditation from? And she told me. So while I was on air with her, Craig actually Googled, and, you know, he filled in all the information, and he shot me a message here saying, congratulations, Lola has now been, become wow. an ordained minister. I have to tell you, I'm I'm glad you're on our side. I'm just I'll just leave it at that. Well, of course, it's all part of doing what we do, isn't it, Ben? It is, you know, and and it's uh, you know, it, it, being a a professional skeptic in the community for whatever that means. It's a weird thing because you know, it, it in some ways it's it's media literacy, it's advocacy, it's mm-hmm. investigation, it's it's critical thinking, it's trying to. Sort of, it's it's this weird niche that 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 is sort of oftentimes false news crack. It's partly journalism, it's partly folklore, yeah. it's all these sorts of things, and um and it's 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 a small community. It's, it's uh, you know it's I've been doing it for for over twenty years now, right? Uh, and of course you know Joe and and all yes. that and and uh, the Center for Inquiry, but it's just um it's it's just a weird thing that we do. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure how else to explain it. I think it's I think it's admirable that there are people like you and Joe out there doing what you do. Well, thank you. I mean, it's you know, I I I just you know, I'm I'm genuinely interested in in these topics, and mm-hmm. so I, I sometimes get you know pigeonholed as a as a you know as a naysayer or a skeptic of this and that right. and the other. And the answer is I'm not. I I mean, I'm a skeptic, but insofar as 
I'm genuinely trying to understand the mystery. If the mystery turns out to be real, if it turns out there really is psychic powers and extraterrestrials, mm -hmm. you know, implanting this, uh, then 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 great. Let's find out about it. But there's so there, there's so much misinformation and hoaxes and frauds and, and just plain old mistakes um, that, you know, you have to you have to dig deep. You can't just accept what comes over the transom. We were speaking about the Roswell, New Mexico crash prior to going to our last break, Bennett. In your opinion, after the investigations that you've done or the people you've spoken to, what do you think happened in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947? Well, the, basically what happened was that there, there actually was a cover-up of sorts. Um, so it's, it's a, little, it's a little, little complex, but mm -hmm. the, in a nutshell, what happened was that um, there was a, a, a top secret spy balloon project called Project Mogul. Right. Which now again, this this is nineteen this is the nineteen forties, right? This right. is before satellites, before lots of things. Yeah. And so, you know, America needed ways to find out what our our enemies, primarily of course at the time Russia, were doing. And uh, so, uh, one way that we would test, we we would monitor things. Uh, for example, if there's underground nuclear testing and things like that. Would be to have satellites, and so there was there was a, a project mogul which uh, which went up in the air, and had when when it was tracked up until shortly before the debris was found on, on Mac Brazel's uh, ranch outside of Roswell. So um, so it is absolutely true that that something wrecked on this ranch. That is not made up. That's not fictional. That's a known thing. Uh, but if you look at the original photographs in the original. Uh, eyewitnesses, what they're describing is not an extraterrestrial spacecraft. There's no monitors, there's no seats, there's no equipment. What they described and what's photographed is is basically foil and yeah. sticks and things like that. Things that, that literally couldn't carry any occupant <laughs> more than a couple inches high. Um, and what happened was, so, so there really was a, there was actually, so this, this stuff crashed, mm -hmm. uh, and, it, or, you know, came apart uh, over this ranch. Uh, I think it was launched from, from Southern Texas. Um, and, and as a cover up story, and again, this, it was probably the most worst <laughs> infamous cover up story at all. <laughs> at one point as well, aliens. Uh, and of course they, they went with it. Uh, but the, the simple truth is that, again, if you go to the original sources, um, th there's none of what, what later became the Roswell mythology, which was really perpetuated by people like uh, Charles Berlitz uh, and, and others in, in, in the 1970s and 80s. So for, for, for most of history, there was no mystery, right? There, there was a crash in 47 and 50s, 60s, 70s. Nobody really talked about it. It was a non-event until... Uh, again, in the 70s and 80s, suddenly people are rehashing stuff and people are, are some sometimes remembering um, you know, alien. That's when we suddenly get the stories right. of, of crash this and that and bodies. And none of that's in the original references. So if, if people go and look at the original sources, it's pretty clear what happened. It's, it's all the stuff that happened in the TV shows and books and all the other stuff decades later because, of course, they're trying to make a buck off it. You know, I've, I've had T.D. Burns on the show, who was a former uh, CIA contractor who worked on the Apollo missions and other classified uh, inventions for not only NASA, but the military. And, and he has talked openly about Area 51. And mm -hmm. I asked him point blank, you know, what is Area 51? And, uh, you know, 
Are there crashed saucers and aliens there? And, you know, he kind of laughs and he says, people think that's there because they can't actually get onto the onto the base because of right. its high security and they see strange lights at night and during the during the uh, high light of the uh, sightings over area 51 what people were watching were the stealth uh, f117 uh, going aircraft going through their trials sure you know and and you had these yahoos out there with doppler radars in their vans and they couldn't understand how come they could see something but it didn't re give a radar return yeah, well, it's interesting you bring up the the point about, and, and he's he's exactly right. By the way, is yeah. that you know any time that you have something that is inaccessible to the average person, yeah. it's going to spawn conspiracy theories. And so this is why, for example, there are stories that we didn't actually go to the moon, and that's partly because the average person can't go up there and look. Right? We have to yeah. we have to rely on what NASA. Uh, and others are saying. And so anytime that people can't themselves trump up to something and look at it, they they assume that there's something hidden going on there. And it's the same thing with Area 51. It, it is an actual working Air Force base and they're yeah. doing testing and things like that. But just because they're not letting you onto the base doesn't mean that they have bodies there. It just means that the alien bodies, it means that they don't want, uh, for perfectly good national security reasons, to have people tracing through there. Yeah. Is it possible that Kenneth Arnold actually did not see a, a UFO, but he actually saw experimental aircraft? And that, once again, the military took advantage of this UFO cover story. It's possible. You know, I mean, the, the Kenneth Arnold sighting, uh, for those who don't know, is sort of one of the seminal UFO sightings uh, reports in, in, in history. Mm -hmm. And it's not a it's not a coincidence that, that it happened, you know, right around the time of the Roswell crash, because this was when, you know, people were thinking about uh, UFOs and things like that. And, and of course, the, the, the Kenneth Arnold sighting was the first time that the phrase flying saucer entered the, the, the public parlance. Right. Um, but if, if you, there's actually a really interesting twist to the story, which is that if you go back and again, the importance of going back to original sources, um, is that the, the Kenneth Arnold didn't actually describe saucers. What he described was seeing, uh, some objects in the sky, which many people actually think were geese that, that he, he described as moving as if you had taken a saucer and skipped it across water, like a, like a. Uh, you know, a skipping stone. Right. And so he was, he was literally in actually describing the movement of, of what he saw, not what it looked like or the, its shape. And yet here we are, you know, 50 years later, mm -hmm. uh, people are talking about, Oh, flying saucers. That was actually a journalistic error <laughs> that has just become canon. It, it seems that the paranormal ufology cryptozoology is filled with these type of errors whether it is from the observer the reporter or the media it is and and it's just and the you know, part of it is this i think there's a couple reasons for it one is that uh in in journalism overall um th there's this sort of double-sided thing right where where the the tabloids are love this stuff because mm -hmm. it's grist for the mill. Yeah. It's, you know, it's the Inquirer, it's the, it's the Star, it's, you know, outlandish stuff. It's, you know, Hillary's a Satanist, that sort of thing. Uh, and the, the, the more respectable, responsible news media, for example, you know, the Toronto Star or Wall Street Journal, New York Times, whatever else, 
um, with a couple exceptions. And mm-hmm. I mean, I could talk about a few of those, but for the most part, they don't, they don't put a lot of credence in it just because there, there's not much there. And so what happens is a lot of times these stories sort of fall through the cracks. They're not well-researched journalistically because it, it, there's, there's not much there. And, and the people that do end up researching it and, and writing about it are bloggers. They're not, they're not professional journalists. And so this, and of course, the, the other part of the problem is that there's lots of uh, uh, plagiarism and, and cutting and pasting online. Mm-hmm. So you have you have a mistake or, or an error, and I've seen this many many times in my research, where there's a single uh, mistake or, or just you know a bad date or a wrong name or things like that, and it's it's in it's in you know it's in two thousand places. And the reason it's in 2,000 places is because most of the people just cut and paste it from somebody else. There's no original research. They didn't go back to original sources. And with all this cutting and pasting, it makes it look like it's legitimate, right? Because if you, if you Google a, a question and you see, oh, well, the, this, this fact you know, returns you know, 823 returns, this must, you know, there must be some legitimacy to that. But all that really means is that people are just, you know, are just ripping each other off and, and not doing original research. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, a lot of armchair um, journalists these days who who do all their research, like you were saying earlier, on the internet, and they have never done any research or investigative journalism, and yet they're right. pumping out these books left, right, and center. Yeah, and it, it's frustrating. I mean, as a researcher and as a folklorist and investigator, because mm-hmm. you know I'm trying to to solve the mystery. I'm, I mean, I'm genuinely trying to figure out, you know, what is behind this sighting, what's behind this report, what's behind this famous thing, and 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 when I'm doing the research, I keep coming up with, you know, with with obviously false information, and it just clouds the it clouds the it muddies the waters yeah. because. You know, and it, it's frustrating because I'll have conversations with Bigfoot believers, with ghost hunters, uh, with with you know, with people who are consulting psychics, and I'll say, you know, help me out. I'm mm-hmm. you know, I'm I'm not the enemy here. Yes, I'm the skeptic. Yes, I'm trying to bring science to it, but uh, you know, I'm trying to help you do better research. I'm trying. If you want to, if you believe that Bigfoot exists, if you believe that ghosts exist, if you believe that psychic powers exist, that's all well and good. Then, then up your game, improve the quality of your evidence, and that's what I try to do. Right. And yet they, they're often, you know, like oh, as, as soon as it, as soon as it means work for them, as soon as soon as it means them having to question their assumptions or improve their their research methods, they lose interest. Ben, stand by. You and I have to take our final break. Thank you so much for sharing your time with us tonight, Ben. It's always appreciated. We'll be back on the other side of this break as we wrap up this hour here in the Exxon with our very special guest. Benjamin Radford. Now, if you'd like to get more information on Benjamin, if you'd like to find out how you can listen to his very interesting podcast, visit his website at www.benjaminradford.com. And you can always uh, check out to see what's on the X-Zone TV channel on Simul TV by going to www.simultv.com. And Simul TV is now available on your new Atari system. We'll be back. Don't go away.
And Benjamin Radford is my special guest, www.benjaminradford.com. As always, Ben, thanks so much for sharing your time with us. I know that you're a very busy guy, so we appreciate every moment you spend here with us trying to figure out what in the name of God is happening out there. So thanks, Ben. I appreciate it. I do my best, and I always love talking to you, so always happy to be on. Oh, thanks, buddy. Um, ghosts. You know, uh, there's, a, there's a fascinating statistic, and I, I'm sure you're aware of this, but maybe our listeners aren't, that within the state of California, there are over 1,300 different ghost hunting research groups. 1,300. Each of them have an average of 10 researchers, investigators. Now, if you take those statistics and work them across the United States, Canada, and the rest of the world, there's a hell of a lot of people out there looking for ghosts. And yet, no one's, no one's been able to prove their existence yet. Yeah, you've, you sort of put your finger on, on one, of the, one, of the, one of the many soft spots in yeah. ghost investigation. Um, you're exactly right. I mean, this is, this is again, I, in, in the previous segment, I sort of talked about the evidence horizon. Yes. And about how, uh, you know, you continually hear that any day now, uh, the truth about aliens will come out and mm -hmm. the governments will admit blah, blah, blah. And any day now, you know, science will, will prove uh, the Bigfoot exists or ghosts or this or that. And the fact is that people have been looking for evidence of ghosts in some form for, for well over a century. Yes. Um, for most of I mean, and, and the one thing to keep in mind is that ghost beliefs are, are universal. So in, in every culture, they have mm -hmm. some belief about the afterlife uh, and, and, you know, life after death, in some cases, reincarnation, things like that. And so the, the idea that ghosts are still with us and spirits are around us is, is, is quite common. Um, but the idea that you can actually investigate them and, and, and sort of uh, that there's something that are potentially falsifiable is a relatively new phenomena. So, you know, w when you look at the, the TV shows, the, the many, many TV shows and, mm -hmm. and amateur ghost hunting groups, they sort of oftentimes their methodology is to go into a location, uh, usually, you know, maybe some local haunted place or in another city yeah. and go and look for ghosts. And uh, throughout most of the human history, um, that would be a very strange idea because when in the past, when people spoke to ghosts, uh, it was it was in terms of communing with their own family, like the, their grandfather. Uh, so the idea that the you know your family members are still around you, and they may guide you or nudge you or give you reassurances. But the idea that you would go to another location and try and contact the spirit of somebody who you never knew in life and had no no connection to was just would just be bizarre. Um, and uh, anyway, so again, people, people have been looking for evidence for ghosts for, for well over a hundred years. I mean, you can go back to the Victorian era and you had the rise of spiritualism in the 1800s and then the eight, probably 1870s and 1880s mm -hmm. in which people were, uh, psychic mediums were claiming to invest, you know, contact the dead. And you had people like Harry Houdini, uh, when he wasn't <laughs> doing a world, world, world-class escape acts was, uh, in some cases going undercover and exposing these, these fraudulent mediums. Uh, but my, my point here is that, is that exactly as you pointed out is that the evidence has not gotten any better. So despite the, the worldwide popularity in ghost hunting and, and ghost investigation and the TV shows and all these literally thousands and thousands of, of, of amateur ghost hunters uh, in America and around the world, 
their evidence is not getting any better. So there's there's literally nothing we know for a fact about ghosts today that we didn't know two months ago, two years ago, 200 years ago. The evidence is not getting any better. No, the evidence isn't getting any better, but the paranormal tourism industry is getting a lot better. It certainly The market is getting better. It, it is. You know, and, and talking about ghosts, talking about Bigfoot, talking about UFOs, here we are in the year 2021 with digital cameras in everyone's phone. And yet with all these high-def cameras, all these satellites, all these trail cams, all of these uh, camcorders in, in vehicles, nothing, nothing to say that, wow, UFOs are real. Wow, ghosts are real. Wow, Bigfoot is real. Wow, cryptids are real. Why does it keep on going on? There's a couple reasons for it. One of them is that that the the evidence that comes out mm -hmm. is not scientific and not useful, but it's it's compelling to many people. So, for example, um, the evidence that really fuels, say, Bigfoot uh, yeah. reports or ghost reports, just to use two two prominent ones, are often personal experiences. Right? They're anecdotes. They are, hey, I was camping in the woods, you know, outside of uh, outside of Mississauga or in Boston or, or, you know, California, whatever else. And I was out there with my buddies and, you know, I, I saw this. Mm -hmm. It was kind of dark, but I saw this big giant thing and it, it, it looked like a Bigfoot and that's what it was. And, or, or ghosts, for example, you know, people right. say um, that they had, you know, they had some experience where they, they felt a chill or, or mm -hmm. all sorts of different things. And so... For many of these people, the what what keep what fuels their interest and their personal stake in it, it's a personal experience. So it's not so much that they have carefully reviewed the evidence for these things because there isn't much evidence for them. Yeah. It's that they had some personal experience that is meaningful to them, and that if if they were to acknowledge to themselves and other people that it probably wasn't a Bigfoot or probably wasn't a ghost, that diminishes them in some way in in their eyes. Well, by the way, the the alleged sighting of Bigfoot in Mississauga was actually Premier Doug Ford going door to door, trying to convince people to put him back in after the, after the mess he made of the COVID situation here. Uh, I, 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 as you know, I, I spent about a decade in Buffalo, and mm -hmm. I, I have to say, I was, I would follow the Canadian politics, and as bad as the American politics was, <laughs> the Canadian politics, like, wow. Yeah. I know. I At least know. I had Rick Mercer to guide me through it. Yeah, yeah. Thank God for Rick Mercer in many ways. Uh, in fact, we have a federal election coming up on the 20th. We have uh, one, two, three, four, five political parties. And uh, no, put all the leaders in the bag, you know, shake it around, put your hand <laughs> in and you know, in, in in fact, the the uh, the leader of the Bloc Québécois in in Quebec uh, went on the last version of our uh, our kind of town hall meeting, like you had with uh, President Biden, Biden, and uh, then President Trump. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, he says, uh, "I'm I I don't want the job as Prime Minister. I'm just looking out for the best possibilities for Quebec." Hmm. So he said, basically says, hey, don't vote for me. I don't want the damn job. <laughs> well, 
You want an honest politician? There you go. Yeah. (laughs) You know, there's a big difference between that honest politician and, you know, uh, you know, remember Paul Hellyer? Vaguely. Yeah. You know, he was the former defense minister as well as the deputy prime minister of Quebec. And after he got out of politics, he decided to become a UFO guru and unfortunately passed away uh, not that long ago. But but once again, you know, I had him on my radio show and I was asking him specific questions. I was getting specific answers. I wrote members of parliament for clarification on his answers and and vetted his answers, trying to get answers from the members of parliament. And I got a, a telephone call from the minister of defense's office asking wow. me for a transcript. I said, better than that, I will I will send you the tape. Wow. Yeah, because it, it, once again, Paul Hellier is going off the uh, going off of the uh, the thing that while he was, you know, while he was Secretary of Defense, I asked him. So, when you were the Minister of Defense, did any UFO files ever cross your desk? No. And 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 yet he was telling other people from other. Uh, other stations and other uh, outlets that they did. So mm-hmm. I just got all this information and I just sent it out there. So I guess a number of the members of parliament kind of said, well, what the hell's going on here? Let's pass it off to the Minister of Defense, the Department of National Defense. And, uh, you know, people say, Rob, why are you doing your show? You know, you're a skeptic. It sounds like you don't believe. And that's when I say, Ben, I want to believe. Yeah. I want to see the proof. I'm not going to take what you say as the proof of the existence of Bigfoot, of, of you know, of, of UFOs, of aliens. I want to see the proof. I, I, I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I'm in the exact same yeah. boat. You know, I, I, again, I, I built a bit of a reputation through my, you know, books and writing and research as, as a skeptic. But yeah. I, I point out to people that doesn't mean that I don't want these things to exist. Exactly. I, I would love to find a Bigfoot. I would love to be the first person yep. to prove that ghosts exist. I genuinely would. I'm not I'm not being facetious. That no. would be that would be world changing and uh, i mean pro- the highlight of my life would be to prove because no something literally no one else in history yeah. has done so i i you know I, I don't i i don't wake up every morning trying to make sure that people other people don't believe these things are real yeah. i i don't care i i want them to be real I, like you i want i want to believe but yeah. you have to give me evidence i can't just go by somebody Hearsay. saw something and well my cousin's boyfriend says yeah. this what is that Exactly. You know, what really makes me laugh is a number of the people who are gurus, and I'll use that term very loosely, within the paranormal community, taking, you know, everything from UFOs to Bigfoot. They believe in their aspect of the paranormal, but they don't believe in Santa Claus or the Easter Bunny. That blows my mind. (laughs) Well, that's a different story. Come Uh, on. Yeah. I, I remember having one guy on, I, I, I said, well, do you believe in Santa Claus? He said, oh, come on, what kind of question is that? I said, well, do you buy your kids Christmas presents? Yeah. Do you ever sign it from Santa Claus? Well, of course. Why? <laughs> so we got mad up and hung up. So what can I say? <laughs> okay. Just for do, just for keeping them honest, yeah. you're, uh, you're, doing, you're doing your job. Come on. Exactly. Hey, listen, Ben, what are you up to next? You know, we've got about two minutes. 
Yeah, I'm I'm keeping busy on things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I'm as I mentioned before, I'm still doing the the uh, the podcast yep. scoring the strange. I'm still the uh, deputy editor for Skeptical Inquirer magazine, so I'm keeping busy on that. Um, my, my I most recently wrote an article um, just a few days ago on the myth of forced vaccinations, because uh, as you know, there's lots of oh, people uh, often on the conservative and libertarian side yeah. of things who keep insisting that. Um, at least here in the states, that uh, they're concerned that Biden is going to send the army out to forcibly vaccinate people or something, uh, and of course that's not true at all. And even though he does have he does have an upcoming mandate, uh, you can opt out if you agree to be. Well, uh, tested well how about this? I hate to cut you off, but you know, with whatever happened to chemtrails, why don't they just put the vaccination in chemtrails and just spread it all over? There you go. Uh, that's a great idea. That you're. <laughs> I, that well, well, then then you have the five G problem because then, uh, then 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 you become magnetic. I think. <laughs> hey Ben, it's always great talking to you. Um, keep the great work up. It's nice having somebody out there who keeps pe- the 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 um, people who go over the line. You bring them back and you put their feet on the coals. Thanks for doing <laughs> what you do. I do my best, and I appreciate it, and uh, keep, keep up the great work yourself. You take care, and you're always welcome here, my friend. Thank you. All right, ExoNation, if you'd like to find out more about my guest this hour, the one and only Benjamin Radford, visit his website at www.benjaminradford.com. I'll be back on the other side of this commercial break with the news at six and a half minutes past the top of the hour as we continue here in the Exxon with yours truly, Rob McConnell, from our broadcast center and studios across Lake Erie from Buffalo, here in Crystal Beach, Ontario. Don't go away.